It's Wednesday, April 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Happy Wednesday. Is today Earth Day or is tomorrow Earth Day? So I keep thinking that it's tomorrow. Like maybe I. I, is it, it Earth seems Week? Like, Did we upgrade it at some point? I mean, to Earth shouldn't Week? we just really make every day Earth Day? I think so. I mean, I'm throwing things in the recycling bin every day. I mean, you know, I, I even brought in a bunch of suits today to to give to the the, the oh, shelter that, here, the local shelter here that we were. You know, it was a banker in the former life, and there are a lot of suits that I just uh, not going to wear anymore. Yes, yeah, just, <laughs> just don't need those anymore. Just don't need those. Uh, earnings Palooza rolls on. We're going to talk. Restaurants with McDonald's and Chipotle. Let's start though with Yahoo. Uh, first quarter profits lower than expected, down sixty-one percent from a year ago. The stock really isn't getting hit to any. Let me put it this way: If you just look at how Yahoo did this quarter, it seems a lot worse than the stock would reflect. What am I missing in in Yahoo's? Results here, because the or am I overestimating how bad the quarter was? It was not a good quarter. Well, when I well, okay, it wasn't a bad quarter though. I mean, like it's not like it's it's this turnaround story is over and Marissa Myers on her way out. I mean, let's she she's getting ready to come up on three years here with Yahoo, and and so you know let's remember that when she took over the reins here. I mean, this was a company that really almost had no identity in the face of sort of this whole new social media movement. Yahoo had no social media presence whatsoever. And so I think that's one one thing that really put them behind the eight ball from the very beginning. And you look at Twitter and Facebook and, and even LinkedIn to a degree today. You see companies like Snapchat, Pinterest and all these other names. Uh, companies like Google and Yahoo really for for the most part have just completely missed that social presence. Um, and I know people will say, what about Google Plus? Well, from my understanding, Google Plus is actually kind of shutting down. It was never really uh, a very compelling service, apparently. So it's it's not something that's really been a big driver for them. So I think with Yahoo, you know, for the past three years, I mean, this has been more about a capital allocation story, returning capital to shareholders via the Alibaba spinoff that's going to come here at the at the end of the year, uh, figuring out ways, you know, buying back more shares and things like that. Wall Street, as we know, is not known for its patience, right? And so they want things right now. And and I think that's important to note that that's one of the biggest differences between us and and you know those those Wall Street firms is that we're able to exercise some patience and look at this with a little bit more of a you know a longer time frame. And so three years, I I don't think is a fair enough time to really say, hey, this is just not working out because. I think I think they're doing a lot of things that are working. I mean, let's remember, okay, sixty-one percent growth in mobile. That's not insignificant. I mean, they are growing a strong mobile presence. There. I mean, they bring bring in over one billion monthly active users to their properties, and so that that's not insignificant either. I think the acquisition of Tumblr was was a shrewd one. I mean, it's it gives them a little bit of play into that social space. There are a lot of brands that really do a lot of blogging through Tumblr, and they do bring in some advertising dollars. I think they'll continue to exploit things like the relationship with Mozilla. Uh, you know, let's let's look at the fact here that Apple's relationship with Google is going to dissolve here soon, and there's an opportunity for Yahoo to to be a part of, of Apple's platform as the default uh, browser and, and or, or search engine. And so, I mean, I think there are a lot of opportunities for Yahoo here in the coming uh, years. And so, we've gone from you know the story of returning capital shareholders now to how is this company going to grow going forward? And and you know that's where we're going to have to really judge them. Uh, but but I don't think it's fair to say. Uh, that that it's it's the plan has not worked out yet, and the stock has done nicely over the last year. It's basically doubled what the market has done over the last twelve months. So this 
you know, the 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 hit that it's taking today to the tune of one or two percent comes against the backdrop of a rise of about twenty five percent over the last year. So that's great. How uh, to, to what extent is the money that they are spending a concern? Because when you look at, I mean, when you look at their traffic, they're paying for a lot of that traffic, and that was, I think. A big part of the story for this quarter was just how much their acquisition costs. And when I say acquisitions, I'm not talking about going out and buying other companies, although Marissa Meyer has certainly done plenty of that during her yeah. tenure, but just the acquisition of traffic. That, those numbers have really spiked for them. Yeah, and that's a fair concern, but it's also, I think it's a cost that they're going to have to bear, at least here in the short run. And the problem is because, because the competitive landscape out there is such that with the social space in your Facebooks and Twitters of the world, those are just garnering eyeballs organically. That's just becoming part of every everyday routine for so many people. And Yahoo is working to kind of make that uh, make their make their properties a bit more sort of that organic destination where you just go. And you know, we, we were we were looking yesterday at the new editor in chief they brought in for their finance division. So they he has it looks like some really big plans for that division, and, and I suspect we'll. You know, see more, see more develop on that front. Uh, I think it's really neat that they're looking at this fantasy uh, space here. They're going to start uh, this summer with the daily fantasy offering. I mean, they already do a wonderful job with fantasy sports, um, and I think that uh, you know, given what we've seen with FanDuel and DraftKings, and I mean, Disney, I think just plunked down two hundred fifty million on DraftKings.com as an investment. So there, there's a lot of money in that space, and I think it's it's wise for them to to test those waters as well. So those are costs that they're going to have to bear. In the short run to keep that traffic coming in and sort of figure out what it takes to keep traffic coming back for more. Hopefully, we see those costs come down as, as the years pass by. Shares of Chipotle down around 7% this morning. Uh, quarterly profits <laughs> higher than expected. They missed on revenue. Uh, you looked at the quarter. What did you think? It, it, uh, Bill Barker and I talked yesterday about Under Armour sort of being in that position where really, really good results just don't cut it, and it seems like Chipotle is there as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's that's a fair statement. I mean, this uh, business, I think today's sell-off maybe has it somewhere around forty-five times earnings, which is, you know, that's that's robust even today. Uh, but let's not forget the stock price today is essentially where it was at the beginning of the month. So it's not like this is a, uh, you know, a quarter where oh my God, Chipotle's business model is broken. I mean, the numbers by every measure were phenomenal, and and I think this is a good example. There are a lot of good examples of this. In uh, in Yahoo is another one, but where let's not focus on really analysts' expectations and Wall Street's expectations. Let's focus on management's expectations, and and when you do that, we see that by every measure, this quarter fell well within their expectations, and I think the concern. Maybe was the the comps number was was perhaps a little bit lower than than what some analysts were hoping for, uh, but I mean you know ten plus percent comps still is is pretty phenomenal. And it is. Harken back just to to last quarter when they were calling for 2015 comps to to be uh, you know somewhere in the neighborhood of of mid uh, low to mid single digit comps for the year. And so, you know, this obviously exceeded that. And the reason why they're guiding for that number over the over the course of the years, they're going to see the price increases that they pass through start to kind of roll off. And the price increases uh, that they pass through here over the past couple of quarters 
were uh, responsible for a bit more than 6% of that comps number. The rest of it was traffic increase. Uh, but, but as we see that price increase sort of anniversary, uh, we'll see that comps number come down. But, I mean, they just hit to the point now where the average store uh, is, is bringing in now 250, or I'm sorry, $2.5 million annually, which is just amazing. You know, and then you think they own all of those stores, and there are franchise models out there that don't even come close to those numbers. So they they're just doing a lot of things well. Um, I think that you know today's reaction is, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you know, if, if the market's kind of thinking, hey, let's maybe you know allocate some money somewhere else. But but uh, man, I mean, I, I I'm a very happy shareholder of, of Chipotle, and this quarter hasn't changed that one I bit. Th- yeah, and you mentioned the price increase, and that's that's something to always keep in mind because. Same store sales are so important, such a key metric when it comes to any sort of restaurant investment. And you know what? When someone comes out and says we're raising prices, then it's it's perfectly legitimate to raise your expectations along with that in terms of the comps. But let's talk about the pork supply for a second, because it, it yeah. seems like beyond the comps, at least part of this drop in the stock, or at least some people saying, you know what? I'm gonna. I've I've had a nice run with this stock. I'm gonna pull my money out until I get a better sense of the pork supply issue that they're dealing with. Because it's again, it seems like there are some people who probably have some concern that, hey, this is a problem that's not going to get fixed anytime soon. Well, it it's not a problem that is going to get fixed overnight. I mean, that's that's something we could ascertain that from the call that it, that it's a problem that is going to persist because the solution essentially is raising more pigs, and they just don't. Grow up overnight. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, the supply the supply chain for Chipotle. And by the is, way, if you want to know why some people, despite the fact that all of the marijuana stocks are penny stock, if you want to know why some people are bullish on marijuana, it's because it's literally a weed, and <laughs> the supply supply is not an issue not with marijuana. No, nope, that stuff does literally grow like a weed. Uh, but yeah, your supply chain issues like this do take time to work out. And you know that's fine. I mean, let's think number one about the menu of offerings that they have. It's not just pork. I mean, obviously beef and chicken. Um, in, in a lot of the, you know, it, it's not like the the pork offering is the majority of what they're selling anyway. So I, you know, for me, when I look at this, and, and I'm looking at this as an investment that I plan to hold really indefinitely, uh, it's I, I have nothing but the utmost respect for management staying on message here. I'd be more concerned if if they compromised their values. And and went back on kind of what they were trying to to you know build in the very first place with, with you know their food with integrity uh, you know mission and so for me this is a short term concern in that regard and it'll 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 resolve itself uh, I would be more concerned as an investor if they you know went against the message that they've been building for for these past twenty one years I agree with that completely although if a year from now we're in this studio <laughs> talking about a pork supply problem with Chipotle then then I'm going to start to get worried it could be like a yum China story oh, right it just never seems to disappear let's really hope that's not the case <laughs> uh, first quarter expectations for McDonald's were not that high and that's Kind of what we got. Uh, unlike Chipotle, where the expectation on same store sales was around twelve percent, and they came in about ten and a half. Expectations for McDonald's same store sales were in the negative column, and they actually came in better than expected. They yeah. only dropped about two point three percent. Shares of McDonald's up three four percent this morning. 
I don't know. What what do we make of this? Shares are up on the promise of a brighter future. I'm going to tell well, you what. I was going to ask about that, because this, this is the first full quarter with Steve Easterbrook, who's the new CEO. How much of what we're seeing today with the stock is optimism around a new CEO. Well, let me be clear. When I say promise of a brighter future, it's not that the signs look promising. It's the CEO went in there and said, "Hey, listen, the future is going to be better." You know, we're going to have to take him at his word, uh, you know, at this point in the game. I I will say like I've got a book recommendation for Steve Easterbrook cuz he's he's brand new, you know, new leader for this company, new CEO. If you haven't read it yet, Steve, it's Bryce Hoffman's American Icon. I think maybe you've read it. I'm not sure if you have, but it's the Alan Mulally story with Ford. Uh, that is truly inspirational and probably a pretty good blueprint for how to to execute a turnaround uh, because that's what McDonald's is at this point. I mean, you're talking about comps numbers being down. I mean, they were down across the board. They were down in Europe. They were down in, in Asia. They were down in, in uh, North America. I mean, it, this is a business that's facing some serious, serious challenges because of what we've talked about with sort of this redefining of sort of the fast food space and uh, you know people people choosing to go to go eat elsewhere. Um, and so you know, I mean, in the in the press release. You know, Easterbrook uh, said. I mean, I'll read this quote from the press release because it just it, it it's relevant. He said, and I quote: "McDonald's founder Ray Kroc made a statement about our business that is relevant today as it was 60 years ago. Take calculated risks, act boldly and thoughtfully, be an agile company. McDonald's is employing these timeless business philosophies as we embark on a turnaround to drive momentum in our business. We are committed to making McDonald's a, mar- a modern, progressive burger company delivering a contemporary customer experience. So, when you see those kinds of things in a, in a in an earnings release, I mean, the market is encouraged by that. I mean, this is McDonald's. It's not insignificant. They have thirty six thousand restaurants. They're talking about going and closing underperformers and really trying to change the message of this company. Now. That's a lot easier said than done, and this is going to be something you want to talk about. Chipotle's pork issue taking some time. This is going to take more time. Um, and, and, and you know, frankly, I mean, while I see McDonald's as an interesting sort of income play with its dividend yield, restaurants are really tough. And uh, and I I am convinced that the brand that they've built here over the past sixty years on value is just valued less by the public than it was uh, you know, even even 20 years ago. I think people are more focused on quality now than ever before, and I don't think that's going to change. And I think that they're going to have a hard time convincing consumers that they are you know, building a, an offering of, of better quality food. Easterbrook also, in that same statement, mentioned a plan that he and his leadership team are going to be unveiling on May 4th. Yeah. And I think what what's interesting to me about this is it really does seem like for the first time in a very long time you have something to look forward to other than just sort of seasonality. Yeah. Uh, you know, the McRib coming out in December that sort of thing. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean you, you have a CEO who is coming out and saying, "Look, May 4th we're going to unveil this plan. Presumably there are going to be time markers in that plan. So hopefully we're going to be able to look at whatever they unveil on May 4th. We're going to be able to say, okay, here's what we can and should expect by you know, we were talking before about management expectations versus Wall Street's expectations. Hopefully we're going to see on May 4th, here's Steve Easterbrook and his team. Here's what their here's what their expectations are and let's see if they can deliver against them. Against them. Because as you said, 36,000 stores, this is a huge company, and if they can deliver early on whatever goals they're trying to hit in the first six to twelve months, then I think 
maybe the stock does start to become interesting beyond the dividend. I, and I agree, actually. I mean, I think this is a tremendous opportunity for him as a CEO. I mean, you look at the situation, and it's just like, wow, man, this is what the third CEO in the course of about two years. I mean, all bets are off at this point. Let's just throw something at the wall and see what sticks, right? But it's going to be it's going to be key for him to to have a blueprint in place and and like you said, time markers and indicators, measurable indicators that can tell us where this company is if it's actually working. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. You remember when Panera Bread uh, rolled out the it was after the Mosh Pitch comments, I guess it was uh, when when Ron Shake and, and company rolled out the Panera 2.0 initiative, which is essentially sort of their effort to try to you know modernize and sort of steer. Away from that throughput concern, and you know, I'm not all that certain that they've really done that well with that initiative. I mean, it maybe they've done okay if, with it, but if it, they have, they're keeping it to themselves. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't like it was. They they brought like a really interesting blueprint of initiatives and things they wanted to do, but past that, you know, I haven't really. It just hasn't really played out uh, as well as I think they probably could have executed. And so I think for for Easterbrook, this is a tremendous opportunity for him. And I mean, I I think I speak for most of us where we all wish him the best of luck because I mean, this is an iconic American brand that is not going away, and it has a tremendous global presence. Uh, they are facing some serious headwinds right now, but that doesn't mean they're down and out. They just sort of have to revamp the business. And like he said in his statement, there you got to modernize it, you know, become more contemporary, give the customers what they really want. And if they can do that, then uh, you know, they could uh, they could have some brighter days ahead. Well, and one theme that emerges from most, if not all, turnaround stories, and we saw it at Ford Motors. We've seen it certainly in the the three years that Marissa Meyer's been at. Yahoo, part of that turnaround is getting people on board, yeah. getting your team on board and the team that's immediately around you. And so I think that that's, for me anyway, that's part of why this becomes more interesting with the May 4th unveiling of whatever their plan is. Because if they can start to get franchisees on board, mm-hmm. uh, because that's, that's going to be a really key component, uh, obviously around the world, but certainly here in the US, if they can get them on board, then uh, then I think that will. I don't want to say that goes a long way towards turning the company around, but it certainly helps. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I think it, yeah, that that's going to be a key a key uh, point because they are majority franchise restaurants, and you know the 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 pros with that is you can grow fast, but I mean the cons there is you just don't have the same type of quality control, and it, it's tough when you have eighteen hundred stores. I mean, when you have thirty six thousand, that the tasks become monumental, and so they definitely. Have their work cut out for them. I would like to see, just for humor purposes, uh, because it was it was a kind of a surprise to see Ray Kroc invoked <laughs> yeah. uh, to see his name and sort of you know. And Ray Kroc is you know the guy who really built McDonald's into the business that it is today. I would like to see, and for all of his success, the one area where Ray Kroc was just terrible at business was food. He was he was like he had the franchise model, he like the business systems, everything, but. And you go back and you read stories about ideas that Ray Kroc had for food items were just total bombs. They were just total <laughs> flops. Um, one being the Hawaiian burger because uh, uh, oh, I read about the, that. The, yeah. You know, the, you yeah, had the, yeah. sort of the big cities during Lent, and this is back in the '60s during Lent. Uh, you know, big cities uh, where there are a lot of Catholics, and you had the franchisees saying, "Hey, look, my business plummets on Friday because Catholics aren't eating meat." And he's like, "I got it, I got it." And he comes out with the Hawaiian burger, which is basically a slice of pineapple grilled with cheese on it. 
Yeah, that just, didn't work. <laughs> not it was surprised. actually one of his franchisees who came up with the fillet of fish, which oh, did work. Man, so oh, anyway, I, I, it would just be fun to be like, yeah, for one day only, we're going to unveil the Hawaiian burger. A little tip of the cap to Ray Kroc. Aye, aye, aye. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.